Alright, let's do this. How are you data scientists and engineers? How are you business people? What's up nerds? Did you grasp that thing you were studying? This is Data Science at Home, the podcast about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and more good stuff. I am Francesco, I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes, so grab a cup of coffee and join me as we learn more about the topics we love most. Did you know that your data is worth something? And believe me, that's not coins. Maybe you did already. But what you probably didn't know is that, well, there is a service out there that has a mission. They want you to take back control of your own data and get paid for it. I'm with Mike Audi, CEO of MyTiki, and today we speak about data, control, and monetization. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Nice to see you again. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, actually. How about you? I'm all right. That's cool. <laughs> That's good to hear these days. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's still a messy out there, but uh, I hope all this will uh, will find a, a better way uh, very, very soon. Mike, uh, today, as I said, uh, we are going to discuss about uh, a lot of things, actually, um, and a lot of things that will be of uh, public interest, kind of, right? Because it's about people out there. And so I would like, first of all, to, uh, you know, you to introduce yourself to the listeners of Podcast Data Science at Home. Sure. So I'm Mike, and I'm the founder and CEO of Tiki, um, mytiki.com. And we are all about trying to help everybody in the world take back control of their data. Um, We just uh, believe the fundamental problem that we've all experienced with our data being used um, without our permission or without what we wanted or for whatever reason, we believe the problem is us users didn't get a say in it. We just didn't. Somebody other than the users made made a decision about our data that we had no control over, right? A company or a government made a decision for us. Uh, Absolutely. We just feel it's not right. Absolutely. And that's that's a great mission. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I have already a personal curiosity here. What's in my tiki? Is there a special story we need to hear about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the story is very, very simple. I was sitting at a tiki bar with a friend and when we kind of came up with the idea that why don't we build something for the users and put it put them right in the center of it. I mean, we wanted a name that was fun and lighthearted and who doesn't enjoy a cocktail at a tiki bar, right? It was just oh man, not seriously. very tech, right? <laughs> we wanted a name, like we're not tech and we didn't want to sound like we're a tech yeah. company or look like some bank. So that, that sounds so right. That sounds so right. <laughs> but uh, in, indeed, I mean, another thing I would like to know is, uh, well, first of all, when did you start this uh, this this company? But before that, because companies are you know are too formal to speak about, it's ideas that in fact mm-hmm. are powerful out there, right? So when when did you come with with the idea? Uh, well, that's a that's a comp- that's a loaded question, a complicated one. I mean, I've been passionate about user data, and I've spent the last probably ten years of my life working in data and how to use data for user change, right? My background goes all the way back to robotics. Um, so my background's all in data. Um, and I've been passionate about user data for well over a decade, but it the, it took all the way up until recently for the world to become aware of the problems of data, right? Like it finally moved outside of the problem that it, 
an engineering problem into a general population problem where, right. you know, my father started asking me about his data. That's when I knew like, hey, something could actually be done about this. You can't really start an internet revolution with, you know, 20 engineers, right? You need, you need the whole world to care about it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And especially when it comes to these very delicate, uh, you know, topics like privacy, control, uh, security, uh, encryption, you know, there are all, you know, there is a bunch of people that actually need to use these technologies. Otherwise, we can we cannot communicate, right? Yeah, it's the it's the struggle of all engineering and anything built for a user. It only works if you can get people to care about it. Right. Exactly. You can spend your whole life building the next greatest encryption algorithm. But if nobody even knows it exists or cares about it, then what was it doesn't do anything. Right. We all got to exactly. adopt it. <laughs> That's exactly it, Mike. I, I agree with you 100 percent. So, uh, well, we speak about control and we speak about, can I say, selling data or renting data? How does it, it work? <laughs> yeah. All of the okay. above. <laughs> Think of All it, of the know, above. <laughs> yeah, data is like, there's no reason data can't be treated like anything else you own, right? You own exactly. your data and therefore, you know, if you owned your house, you could rent your house out to people, you could sell your house, but you sure. don't just give it away, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, or if you want, you, you can, if you agree with that, right? You don't sure, want- Sure, you could donate you it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't want other people to do that for you without without your control. That's exactly the spirit of my tick, as, as far as I understand. You got it. All right. So what what type of data can be controlled and sold with my tiki? All of your data, right? Um, the short answer is all of it. There's no limit to what kind of data can be controlled. And all data has different value. So, you know, some of your data is worth more than other data, obviously, right? Like no one really mm -hmm. cares, you know, about certain pieces, certain things you did on the internet. Sure. But other things you do on the internet matter a whole lot to businesses. So it just depends on, you know, values in the eyes of the beholder. So who's buying the data, mm -hmm. you know, generally dictates how much it's worth. But you should be able to control all of your data. There's no reason you can't control all of your data. It's your data, right? The, th the only things you don't have rights to control is data that isn't yours. So data that belongs to a company. But you know, that's none of the data that we think about is what, like all the data we think about our Facebook posts or our Instagram or our Twitter or what we buy online, our Amazon purchase history, our emails, right? These are all, this is all our data. User data is anything that the user created um, or is connected to something the user created. So that's data you've specifically created, a tweet you sent, as well as the metadata about like when you sent the tweet, who it was to, what it was for, right? That kind of metadata around it. So those are that's, that's your data. Um, you have the rights to it and you should be able to control it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that in the last few years, probably a decade already, uh, people seem to have forgotten such an important concept, you know, about the property or the ownership uh, of the data they actually produce. Because posting a picture or sending a message to my community on Facebook or wherever is actually me putting an effort, making an effort, creating content and, and publishing it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's why we lead with what we call see your data. It's hard to expect control over something that you can't see, something 
ambiguous bunch of bits and bytes in a computer, right? All, again, only an engineer cares about that. A uh, big part of what we're trying to do is bring it to the forefront so you can see what data companies have on you, and then you can expect to control it. It's just very intangible mm. today. Yeah. So, well, let's let's be a bit more tangible indeed and more practical. Uh, let's assume that I am a user and I love my Tiki and I would like to share my personal data uh, or, for example, on the most used social networks I personally am on, which is Facebook, Gmail and Twitter, probably maybe some other some others. But uh, let's simplify here. So I have these three data streams. Well, lots and lots of companies are interested in your data for many reasons, right? We think of the use of data in terms of like ads. That's probably how we all connect data today. But if you look at a company, right, um, a company's spend might be three, four percent of their total spend is on ads, right? The other ninety-six percent of a company's, you know, general cost of of operation is on all different types of things. So it could be. Why would like, let's say you call a company looking for support and they knew what problems you were searching for in advance on Google. So that way they knew how to better provide support to you and help you with the issues you had or create content to meet you in the middle of it and provide a better FAQ. So the short answer is a lot of companies care about it, whether it be for market dynamics or whether it be for their own customers to get you to buy a new product or to get you to ha have a better experience with your product. It usually breaks into two simple things. Companies care about how do I get a new customer and how do I keep the customer I have, right? Th those are the two questions that they're always looking to solve for. Hmm. Um, so if you can think about how your data might be used to answer any question under one of those two um, umbrellas, you've yeah, that's it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, man, makes sense. Like uh, what you mentioned is what data scientists are, uh, you know, usually familiar with churn prediction, for example, right? Uh, predicting when a certain user from a certain demographics or with certain characteristics is going to drop or is going to, you know, abandon the service. And so you would like to, you know, detect these things before they happen, in fact. Exactly. And so... Okay, cool. So, so there would be companies of this caliber to essentially, uh, would they buy my data streams? Would they rent them? Uh, would they send you a calculation of something? Uh, how does it work in practice? For the engineers listening, we're building a knowledge graph of calculated insights, of anonymous insights around users. Um, and then on top of that, we're doing two things. We're allowing engineers and data scientists to directly query the knowledge graph and answer their own questions, build their own analytics, mix the data with their own data. And then we see the big opportunity, just like making control of data available to the everyday person, making the availability of data actually usable to the everyday company. So all the small to medium sized businesses in the world who have a question they want to know the answer to about their user, but they can't figure out how to get that answer today, right? It either costs them a ton of money or they don't have access to the data to just know a basic thing like, who is my customer? Where are they located? What do they like about my product? What don't they like about my product? Very simple. Like if the if your customer is sitting in front of you, um, you'd be able to ask that question. I challenged our team, like why doesn't my favorite bar have analytics on its patrons, right? There's no reason it should have to spend $100,000 a year to be able to, 
understand basic questions of like who's coming in and, and buying what and why do they like it and what don't they like about it how do i improve my service right um mm. so yeah. we're trying to take this mess that is data out there and make it easy to understand and extract those insights so see how things change in context of other effects right so you know right. if you ran a promotion for a discount on a beer did you see an increase in traffic? Did you not see an increase in traffic? Who came to the bar because of that, right? Just real basic, Got it. you know, all the things that as a data scientist, you'd be like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, that's, that's actually, I mean, the knowledge graph is one of the most sophisticated yet fascinating uh, uh, machine learning models out there because, you know, if, if you can explain very briefly what a knowledge graph is, it's a bunch of nodes and a bunch of relationships, but who defines these relationships and, and who defines the nodes? Sure. So you're right. Knowledge graph, it's a very interesting way to look at data, right? Um, the places that we've seen graphs used very effectively would be like Wikipedia connecting articles. Like that's a very traditional type of knowledge graph to social graphs like, mm. you know, Facebook, mm. Instagram, LinkedIn, right? And it's all about connecting relationships between one or more whatever vertices is what they're called right vertices you connected <laughs> by edges um you know in machine learning we think of a lot of these things similar like a neural net right a neural net is a whole bunch of neurons connected by a bunch of weights on a graph right, right. same basic concept um and so the trick to building a really powerful knowledge graph is one what are the vertices and two how do they connect to each other well if you want to build yeah. a knowledge graph around how users are perceiving any given thing, their sentiment around a brand, a product, what they like, what they don't like, where they are, right? What you would do is you'd build a knowledge graph that has the calculated metrics. So we call mm -hmm. this, instead of sending the data to the model, we send the model to the data. So on every user's phone, we're calculating in real time their answer to a given question. Let's say it's their shirt color preference or their favorite place to eat or who they send emails to. We're calculating these anonymous aggregate metrics at the user and building a one-to-one -one graph. So every user gets their own graph of their personal you know, preferences and insights and everything. We merge all those graphs together onto one giant knowledge graph. And think of it like for every vertex on the graph, there's an answer. So how many people like prefer their t-shirts to be black versus white for those who can't see us right your shirt is white my shirt is black right and so we would be on a graph as simple like in a very simple vertex of color shirt color preference white black one one and that would be it right you'd have and it's just a count of number of users who have who fit into a given paradigm those insights are all connected by the users themselves right so to build an anonymous graph, every user gets assigned an anonymous identifier, which connects it to another vertex. These identifiers are never exposed to the end company who's querying it. It's only used to join them. So think of it like you've got a vertex that's connected to another vertex with a weight on the edge, just like you'd weight a neural net. And that neural net is weighted based on the number of users that also share that same correlation. And so what that allows you to do is look at and search the knowledge between any number of vertices, how many users share other properties. So how many people like white t-shirts and also live in this 
zip code who also buy this thing who also email this person right like um you're looking at all the correlations and how everything is connected because on the internet we're all connected so every behavior we've done is actually intertwined with someone else and someone else's actions and some other content that was created and something else someone looked at Hey folks, if building software is your passion, you'll love ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast. It's a podcast for techies by techies. Their team of experienced technologists take a deep dive into a tech topic that's piqued their interest. It could be how machine learning is being used in astrophysics or maybe how to succeed at continuous delivery. They're always coming across fascinating ways technology is advancing and love to share what they learn. Whatever the topic, the discussions are always lively, informative, and opinionated. The team of co-hosts are experienced technologists from across ThoughtWorks and include ThoughtWorks CTO Dr. Rebecca Parsons and renowned writer and speaker Neil Ford. Each episode, the podcast features a guest or two to talk about their particular passion and areas of expertise. Past guests have included eminent technologists like Martin Fowler, Mark Richards, Dana Boyd, and many others. If you like this show, I think you should give ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast a try. To find out more, just search for ThoughtWorks Technology Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And of course, make sure you subscribe. So essentially what you are describing here is, uh, um, well, some sort of, can I say decentralization in, in the sense that this function, this model that you send to the data, uh, you know, essentially you're you are decentralizing computation directly to the mobile phone or to the edge device or whatever of the end user. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the yeah. base theories of Tiki is making data available to everybody. And the best way to do that is decentralize it, right? Correct. Take the, take the whole problem, make it a problem for everyone, right? Like allow everybody to be part of it. Um, we've all got a phone in our pockets, use the phones, right? Yeah. Um, it also has the wonderful added benefit of being ultra, ultra secure, right? So none of the none of your personal data is ever in our cloud, right? It comes out of the basic premise of, you know, if you don't think you've been hacked, you've been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, well, that would have been my next question, in fact, because, um, you know, I, I trust Tiki to send me a formula. Can I call it a formula or a model? Yeah. All right. So I, I trust Tiki to send me a formula. This formula is computed on my mobile device. Uh, now, what I'm doing, you know, from a business perspective, I'm monetizing whatever this formula is extracting from my personal data, from the data sitting on my phone. So my phone is making money for me, right? Um, I'm just trying to summarize what you just said with the knowledge graph, which was amazing. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so the phone for the first time in history is making money for me. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I had not thought about it like that, but yes, absolutely. Your phone is generating money for you. Yeah. Yeah, usually I, I put money in my phone. <laughs> Finally, the phone puts money in my pocket. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, jokes apart, but not so much joking here. I mean, this is exactly what happens, right? So what I, what I, you know, my next question is about security. Like, how do you guarantee that uh, the formula is not learning something from me, you know, as, a, as an individual and sending this information out in the cloud because the formula at the end of the day wants to build the best accurate 
knowledge graph possible, right? But you know that's that's a mean and and uh, uh, it's called the minimax uh, problem. Like you want to minimize um, um, uh, you want to minimize the amount of data that come out of my phone, but at the same time you want to maximize the accuracy of the of the model that you're building. So how do you guys deal with that? Yeah, well, so we do it a couple ways. One, all of our code is open source at all times. So you can see what these models are and make sure anybody, so they're audited by the world, right? Like there's no secrets at Tiki. So there's no secret model that's that's collecting your data and sending it somewhere else. Um, like that's one of the, the first and foremost like tenants is it's always open source, 100% transparent. Because no matter what I say, you know, some people are going to, you know, be like, well, but you could do this, right? So here it is. You can see it for yourself. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so that, so there's no no secrets. Um, the models themselves are run by us on the phone inside our application. So we vet them. We have to make sure that the models are good, right? It's not like some company can just run whatever they want on your phone to collect some insight, right? Like these are Tiki sourced um, models that are vetted by us to ensure that the result is a high quality metric result versus just some sort of data. Um, and, you know, the questions that you want to answer are actually often the most simple, believe it or not, right? Like um, the hard problems come actually from when you want to take, you know, terabytes or petabytes of data and calculate a sim and get an answer against a giant data set, right? Like as data engineers and scientists, that's where the real hard work is, is, you know, all of that work right. to get that data clean and ready and prepped. But if you could calculate a basic answer of who, the what, the where, the when, right? Like these very basic questions um, in real time at the edge, you have a high, you have very clean data at very high reliability and robustness. So you got a good answer that represents a picture in time. Um, and it's all about a snapshot of, you know, I gave you a good answer on the metric yesterday. Well, we can calculate it again today and see if it changed, right? And you can see how these things change over time, which adds to your, that, so it's all about how things change over time. It's about calculating on a small set of data, a very high fidelity answer at the user's edge on their phone and then maintaining all the anonymity, right? Because you don't need to know who answered right. the question around their, their favorite color shirt. You just need to know somebody's favorite color shirt was this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So in fact, the type of analysis that can be performed with this approach, you know, is, is what probably a statistician would call population statistics, right? Uh, kind of summary statistics of a, a bunch of people with certain characteristics. Uh, is that the type of analysis that you guys perform? Yeah, that's what we perform at the edge. And if you do that and roll it up for lots and lots and lots of users and connect it all, then you can perform really complex Right. As an engineer, you can now query this graph and build your own insights on top of it. Right. Because what we're doing is providing to the world a very clean, robust data set. Right. At the end, that's what it really is. It's just a giant data set of things that are interconnected that we've done the hard work for you of making sure that all the answers are right and vetted and <laughs> that you have access to them. So you don't have to figure out how to plumb it all together and connect it all and get it all in the right spot, right? Like it's, right. it's just there. <laughs> okay, that's cool. So it's kind of a library of functions that you guys are executing. Well, they are, these are vetted, of course, 
so we so the end user or actually the owner of the data let's call let's call people with their name the owner of the data uh, can trust 100 percent the uh, let's say this, the, the instructions, the code that is gonna run on their phone. Okay, point taken. Now, what happens if I am, uh, we still have to define, by the way, the roles of the marketplace. So, you know, th th I believe there are some buyers and some consumers and some producers, so maybe you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna elucidate that in, in a second. But uh, if I am, let's say, someone who wants to buy data, let's say I'm company, I'm interested in, in, in doing, you know, purchasing the data and analyzing according to some demographic criteria. What if I need a, let's say, custom function? Would that be possible to contact you uh, at Tiki and say, hey, I would like to perform this thing. Can you guys make it for me? Yeah, our goal is to build it in a way that companies can submit their own models, right? We it, we would be chasing our tails till the end of time if we had to hand build every single model and try and figure out what the right models were yeah. and the right functions, right? So if we just say, here are the users, here's the process, here's the system, companies will, and engineers and data scientists, it doesn't even have to be a company, right? It could just be somebody who is interested in understanding sure. the answer to a problem can submit a function that they would like to run on users' phones. Um, we'll take care of the vetting, the cleaning. We'll we'll take care of all of it to make sure that it's it's good and accurate and authentic and not you know gonna cause some issue on their phone and brick them. We'll take care of that. But that's the idea: is let people submit it, crowdsource the whole thing. Crowdsource the whole thing. I like that. Nice, Mike. This is cool. I mean, I I didn't understand in our pre-call. It's that cool. <laughs> all right. Um, so there is a marketplace, as I was saying before. Marketplace means that uh, there are some assets, and I think we all agree that the assets here are, you know, users' data. It could also be models, I would say. Uh, I would think of assets as, as models as well. Um, and then we have the actors of the marketplace, that is the users from one side, whoever produces the data, and then the consumers from the other side, uh, that is the... Uh, it can be companies, it can be other people just want to consume this, this data and purchase them. Can you provide a practical example of the typical workflow? Uh, you know, you can expand on the story of uh, 100 users uh, sharing their Gmail uh, and their tweet feeds and uh, one or two companies that purchase this, 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 um, this data. What's the typical workflow? Where does my Tiki play in the in this workflow and what do these actors do to join the platform sure so as a user right and start on the user end yeah right? as a user you download and install the tiki app and you can choose which accounts you'd like to link to tiki and view so and that gives you the options of seeing what data that account has on you controlling your data with that account. And then if you want, you can opt in to monetize that data from that account. And you can choose which data you can share with who and why, right? So you can actually select types of data. Let's say you don't want you don't want your Gmail data to be sold to the government, but you're okay with targeted ads, fine. We let you choose the use cases, the types of companies. You can get as granular as you want. Most people are just gonna opt in just like, yeah, just like I'm cool with this or not cool with this, but you can get as granular as you want. You could be like this very specific company can access this one type of data. Okay, fine. makes sense. That data gets added to the graph, right? So we're gonna start calculating models based on that. We're gonna add it to the graph. In our cloud, we're maintaining this anonymous graph of data. 
And so each piece of each vertex on the graph has a list of blockchain IDs, anonymous blockchain IDs that correspond with who answered that metric, right? So privately, that only Tiki can see is a list of who was part of that vertex, right? So mm -hmm. what happens is when a company buys data, queries the graph, looks at one of our dashboards, users who were part of that answer get compensated. So it's like, think of it like you're getting a penny or like 0 0.01 cents, like a very small yeah. amount of money every time a company asks a question that you helped answer, right? Without you having to do anything. So based on your preferences, it automatically builds this graph and then companies can search the graph if they have engineers or they can go to one of our dashboards and our analytics and just use our website to understand what's going on and answer basic questions. Um, we're testing out different things like building AI based on the, the, the graph so companies can interact with it like they're asking a user a question. So you could go to it and be like, hey, what do you think about this special? Uh, and build it almost like a <laughs> chatbot. But anytime a company interacts with the data set that we're providing, you as a user get a little bit of money for whatever they paid to access it. Wow. So when you say money, is it like fiat or is it crypto? What, what, what money is that? It's both, I guess, is really the answer because it's crypto that's backed by fiat. So they pay us money, which we put into a bank account, right? Let's say they paid us $100 and that $100 is for 100 users. So it gets split up. So every user is, is owed $1, one, right? So $100 split to $1. We have in a bank account, mm -hmm. effectively like in escrow, the $100. And each user is issued a Artiki crypto that represents $1. Right. So they have a crypto coin that is representative of that amount. And then when they go to withdraw their money, they can withdraw it and exchange it for Bitcoin, Ethereum, like public crypto or in regular fiat. Right. If they want to extract it into oh, cool. their local currency, when that extraction happens, we transfer them the money. Right. So think of it like it's it's like a wallet that's holding fiat currency on your behalf. Yeah, exactly. But backed by by US dollars or euro, you know, stable. It's a stable coin, in fact. It is. It is very much a stable coin. It's backed by the exact US dollars that you are entitled to. Um, so there's <laughs> doesn't go up or down, which you know, unlike you know, some people <laughs> no. might want it. Yeah, it goes with the US. It dollar. just goes with the dollar, right? It just it follows whatever. If you have a dollar, you one US dollar in your account, it's one US dollar. <laughs> okay, uh, I have another question about uh, the number of users that uh, you know that you need to reach. I would guess some form of critical mass, right? The knowledge graph uh, it makes sense or is useful when there is a sufficient number of you know data sets connected, a number of users who are you know sharing their uh, their data flows. Uh, What's that number, if you can provide a number, uh, or where are you guys at as we speak? I'll start with where we're at, right? So because we wanted to build something that was user first and entirely transparent, instead of the traditional path of building, you know, coming up with an idea, building a product, getting some money, right? Raising some, getting some users, raising some more money, getting some companies, right? Like we did, all we did was we just published our idea on the internet and let people sign up from day one. Um, and so... 
within two months we had over 10,000 people pretty much organically just signed up to try it out when it's ready um, and now we're signing up between 500 and a thousand people a day um, we've crossed over 40,000 I expect this week we'll cross 50,000 users registered for Tiki wow. which is very exciting yeah um, in the span of about not even four months I mean it's we started January 1st wow. and it's you know April 15th or so as we're recording this right now <laughs> um, so that's been quite quite an amazing journey. Um, We had thought the critical mass point originally was 10,000 users. Um, So we've blown through that and it's really put um, what we can do and achieve in a whole other scope, right? Um, If you think of it from the value of data, right? One to 3,000 users of really rich data sets can be used to accurately predict and calculate actions for millions of users. So that's why the original premise was 10,000. Um, as we grow, the bigger we get, the more change um, we can enforce in the world, the more control we can offer users, the more we can do. So with every piece of every user who joins Tiki, it makes all of our data worth more money, right? Like your data plus my data is not worth a lot. Your data plus my data plus 10,000 people worth more. Your data, my data plus 100,000 worth even more than that, right? So with each person we add to the graph, the more all of our data is worth, the more companies we can approach, the more we can get for users, the more control we can bring, right? So it's, it's moved past the point of where we can prove the concept. And now it's moved really into how big can we really get this thing and how much control can we really bring to the users, right? Um, As we start to get bigger and bigger, your concerns become, you know, what happens if Facebook gets really upset about this, right? Like, and so (laughs) how do you get big enough, fast enough to have enough users that you can actually reliably, you know, back them over the pressures you're going to face from outside companies, uh, investors, et cetera. Can users opt out? Of course. You don't have to sell your data if you don't want to. All right. So what happens when I do that? Like my phone will stop receiving formulas, right? And I stop contributing to the graph. Is that correct? correct? And and what happens to my former contributions? This I've already monetized, so they would stay on the graph. Yeah, they're on the graph. Um, We can possibly look at, I'd have to think through the technical issues of trying to remove something from the graph it might be much like it's kind of like you don't get to take backsies like when you sell something you don't really get to go back to the person and be like hey can i have that back (laughs) right like i don't know that you can do that um yeah exactly (laughs) mine was just a technical question i mean i don't i don't even know if that's that's technically possible but uh indeed it makes sense also from a commercial perspective and also ethical uh, you know you got paid for it so right. <laughs> uh, you know you can't take yeah. it back <laughs> so you know All the right. cool thing about data is the most important data is today's data not yesterday's data and the further you go back in time the less yeah. valuable it is exactly and the harder it is to find the insight that matters the most so you know when you shut off your data and stop selling your data to a given user company, whatever the time value of it, just it, it exponentially decreases. It just disappears in terms of what it's worth very quickly. Absolutely. Mike, what's on your roadmap? I think we discussed, you touched the earlier number of points here, but is there something you want to share with us? Uh, if you guys can share, of course, uh, what, you know, the, the most powerful, uh, 
cards on your Trello board if you have one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as of this morning, we launched a very cool feature where users in our beta can invite their friend to get paid for it. So you can actually get referral bonuses, which is very cool. Um, so as you invite other users to the graph, you actually get um, a nice little bit of money, which is very cool. Well, you know, again, we wanted to pay our users instead of marketers, right? That seemed like seemed like a very tiki thing to do. I'd rather pay our users than, than a marketing company. Um, so that was cool. We did that this morning um, officially. The next big feature is Gmail integration. So the first feature that'll be rolling out for beta testers, um, which you can sign up to beta test the app at mytiki.com. Um, reach out to us on social if you want to get in super early, part of the alpha that's being going that's going on. But the first feature will be Gmail, which will allow you to see all of the data that Gmail has collected on you, which is spooky, right? It's like that's how I'll put it. It's spooky, <laughs> wow. um, and we'll give you we'll start giving you information on how you can control and better manage that data that Gmail has. Um, if I, you know. Believe it or not, email is like one of the richest and least protected sources oh, yeah. of data. And when you start to think about it, you're like, oh my God, yeah, all the receipts for everything I bought online are there. All the subscriptions I participate in, yeah. everybody I routinely connect with and contact and send stuff to, especially business email, right? Like it's it's crazy how much data yeah. is in email. Um, and we never really think Passwords. about it. Passwords. <laughs> yeah. Activation codes. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you like, name it. I mean, even security. All wise. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. <laughs> Mike, can my dad use this stuff? Because my dad is one of those guys who is kind of an enemy of computers and internet services and stuff. Is, is it that easy for him? Yes. That's. This is not designed for engineers. Um, the whole premise is to make data easy to use, to be more like the calculator than to be even like Facebook, right? Like one place that you can quickly set it up and just go. And you don't have to worry about it. You can, don't, you can check it when you want to, but you don't have to interact with this thing on a regular basis. You don't have to know anything about the internet. You don't have to know anything about your data. You just need to be able to say, ah, I want to connect my Facebook account click right like that's it that's all you got to do and we'll help you with the rest of it <laughs> nice i like that <laughs> all right mike is there any contact or links that you would like to share of course we will report everything in the show notes of this episode on the official website datascienceathome.com mike feel free to share what you think the users might find useful go to mytiki.com that's where everything is it's all on our website go to mytiki.com follow us on social um, if you want to learn a ton about what we're doing, check out our Medium blog. We publish everything we do in the blog there. But join our Discord and DM me if you have questions, right? Like we're, we're here. We're on the internet. You can find us. Come talk to us. Cool. Mike, I think the followers of Data Science at Home podcast really enjoyed as much as I did having you know a conversation with you. And uh, what you guys are building is amazing. It makes total sense, especially these days. And uh, I hope you guys succeed, really. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.